Well, Memorial Day is what we've already mentioned. It's, it's a time to remember those who have fallen in service of our country. But for many of us, it's also just a time to, to reflect on the fact that we have lost many people through the years serving this country, to, to think about the freedoms that we have. And, and if we really stop to think about all that we have lost in service of our country through the years, whether at war or in times of peace, whether overseas or back here in the United States, it's a great reminder for us who know the Lord that we live in a fallen, broken sinful world the fact that we live in a place where there is war we live in a place where there is pain we live in a place where there is death we live in a place that is full of trouble and turmoil this morning we're going to be studying psalm 42 together psalm 42 speaks the truth of god into our soul when we are facing that kind of a world Charles Spurgeon described Psalm 42 in this way. He said, This is the cry of a man sighing for the long-loved house of his God. He's longing for the renewal of, of God's divine presence, struggling with doubts and fears, but yet holding his ground by faith in the living God. And my hope this morning is that by us studying Psalm 42 together, it will help you hold Hold his ground by faith in the living God. That you will be able to take a stand right here, right now in your world, whatever you're facing, by faith in your God. Now, interesting, uh, Psalm 42 is actually many times, it's the beginning of the second book of the Psalter, and and many times it, it, it actually goes well with Psalm 43. Many scholars believe that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are actually one psalm. Um, But we're not going to study all of Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 together, but I'd encourage you to read Psalm 43 on your own. It fits very well with Psalm 42, and I can see why many scholars think that it should go together. Now, also, interestingly, many scholars also think that Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 do do go together, but they should be split up into three different psalms. Uh, So, because there's a repeatable pattern in there that I think... Uh, is helpful to us. Whenever there's a repeatable pattern in Scripture, it just helps us to think about it, to to pick up on the themes that God is trying uh, to help us to understand. Now, you'll also see at the beginning of of Psalm 42 that this is a mascal. What that means is it's an instructive psalm. This is is a psalm that's not just remembering what God has done. This is not uh, just a psalm that's crying out to God. This This is a psalm that is supposed to be used to teach people. And so I think it's very beneficial for us as we study God's word together to to, to think about and to look at what is in this psalm for us. So I hope that it will be instructive for us this morning in the life that you're living right now for Christ, whatever you may be facing. Now, we don't know exactly what the psalmist was facing in Psalm 42 because we don't have the details of of exactly the time, but likely it's, it's, it's that he is facing some kind of general human condition which, which is overwhelming him. It could be terrible drought, it could be war, it could be famine, it could be any of those things. But it's a reminder for us that when we are facing the most difficult things in our life, it's God and God alone that gets us through those times. So let's begin this morning by reading Psalm 42 together. 
where it says to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah, as, de- as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan, of Hermon, and of Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roars of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now see, as we move through this psalm together here this morning, we're not, we're not going to go from beginning to end. I, th- I think because this is a mascal song, b- psalm, because it is intended for our instruction, I'm going to break it down in a little bit different way. And the first thing that we're going to look at this morning is the problems that are presented for us here in this text. Now, as I said before, we don't know the exact problems that, that the psalmist was facing or the nation of Israel was facing when this psalm was written. But I believe that it's much like our world. It's not difficult for us to look around at our world and see the brokenness, to see the problems that we face, to see the, the hurts that are going on in our lives, in our neighbors' lives, in the lives of our loved ones. Our relationships are broken with one another. We see strained marriages that oftentimes end in divorce. We see broken relationships between parents and children. We see strife. We see political uprisings. We see unrest in every area of our society. In the systems and governments that we we try to put in place to, to help us to live prosperous lives and to try to give us peace, sometimes create more conflict and more strife because they're being put in place by by broken, flawed human individuals who are still in need of Christ. And so our world is not much different than the world that this psalmist faces where, where he seems like from every side the world is pressing in upon him. And while we, again, don't know the exact problems, we can see an idea of some of the things that he is facing. And so I want us to see that, that in our text, some of the problems that we see are that enemies seek to destroy us. Several times in this passage of Scripture, beginning in verse 3, where we read, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? In a world that is broken and fallen, and resistant to everything that has to do with the Lord, we are going to face people 
that are constantly saying to us, where is your God? If there is a God, why is there all this turmoil in the world? Why is there so much pain? Why is there so much hurting? Why is there murder? Why is there death? Why is there strife? Why is there all these things? Why do we need a day like Memorial Day to celebrate and, and, and remember those who have died in wars? Where is your God in all of this? Now, sometimes these, con- these, these comments like, where is your God, come from our enemies. They come from those who are, are, are diametrically opposed to God and everything that has to do with him. They are calculated words by someone trying to attack you or me because they see our faith. But sometimes they're thoughtless words spoken by a friend or a loved one. Sometimes they're thoughtless words of, of someone saying, you know, God loves us, but why? Why? They're, 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 friend, they're words from friends who are, are hurting because they see the brokenness. And yet they don't have the foundation that, that can point them to the answers to those questions. These are, these are the kinds of daily interactions that you and I can have with people in the world around us. And, and when we hear those things repeatedly, it can cause doubts to creep in. It can cause fears to creep in. And that leads us to our second problem is, is I want us to see that sometimes these things are outside stress. It's really a breakdown of that, that first problem that we have enemies who are, who are going to say these things to us. But those are all outside pressures. Look at verse 7 where it says, Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. This is the psalmist feeling absolutely overwhelmed, as is often the way that it works in our world, because it's broken. We, we, we begin to go through some struggles, we begin to go through some trials in our life, and then it just seems like wave after wave washes over us. You know, the world says things like, well, bad things always happen in threes, right? Oh, well, two things have happened, so I'm waiting for the third shoe to drop. They say those kinds of things because oftentimes when we're hurting, when we're feeling overwhelmed, it seems like wave after wave is going over us. The pressures of the world are crashing down on the psalmist like the roar of a mighty waterfall, which just seems to overwhelm us. If you try to stand under a waterfall, you're just overwhelmed. And, and it's also the relentless pounding of those waves like the waves on a seashore that never seem to stop. He's distressed. He's troubled. And when we're distressed and troubled, it just seems like the devil has it out for us and continually wants to bring wave after wave of trial. But see, those outside stresses, those outside pressures, if they're not handled well, they become inside Stresses and pressures. Things like fear and doubt and internal stress. Verse 5 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Verse 6, My soul is cast down within me. Verses 9 through 11, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why so downcast? Oh, my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? You see, these verses 
repeatedly demonstrate for us that, that when these outside pressures get internalized, they can begin to become fears and, and, and doubts. And those things weigh upon us. And verse 10 tells us, As a deadly wound in my bones, my adversary taunts me. Callous words or, or words of, of attack can begin to just wound us, cut us to the quick. And that is exactly what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to destroy us. The enemy wants to use these things to cause our soul to be in anguish, to cause our soul to doubt what God is able and capable of doing. The enemy wants to use all of these situations that we face in our life, all of these hurts, all of these pains, all of the anger, all of the fights, to cause us to doubt God's goodness, to doubt his character, to doubt his mercy. And these verses are laden with fear and doubt and those internal struggles and stress and failure and brokenness and weakness. But I praise God this morning that that the psalmist doesn't leave it with that. Interspersed throughout all of these problems, over all of these overwhelming things that seem to be just pounding upon the psalmist's soul, we see the solution as well. You see, in Psalm 42, we see that the one great solution for all the problems that we face in this broken world is hope in God. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? It says in verse 5. Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You see, no matter what we are facing, no matter how broken the world appears, no matter how harsh it seems, no matter how much we feel we are under attack, no matter how overwhelmed we are, we hope in God, for he is my salvation and my God. Now it's important for us to step back, and and we've discussed it before, so we won't spend a lot of time on it, but biblical hope is not simply wishing something would happen. It's a conviction that God is who he said he is, and will do what he said he will do. The promises that he's made to us are as sure as guaranteed. The immutable, which means unchanging God, who is omniscient and knows all things, he is our solution. Our solution is to hope in the one who will never fail us in any way, shape, or form. That is biblical hope. To know the God of the Bible. To know his character and nature. And to put your trust in him more than anything else in this world. To keep your eyes on him rather than the problems that we will face in this world. John Piper describes biblical hope as this. He says, Biblical hope not only desires something good for the future, it expects it to happen. Biblical hope is living in an expectation that God will do what God said he will do. Genuine hope in God does not mean, however, that you will not feel overwhelmed at times. Genuine hope in God does not mean that that you will never face the stress, that you will never be afraid, that you will never have trials. 
It's not sinful to feel overwhelmed by the emotions caused in this broken world. We need to understand that because sometimes those, those callous words that I mentioned earlier are when somebody is, is just crying out to God and they're, they're, they're lacking understanding and they're seeking God's wisdom and His will and a, and a friend comes along and chastises them and says, you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. It's okay to cry out to God because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. That is a cry of dependence upon God. And emotions are a powerful thing that God has given us. And quite frankly, sometimes I wish that he hadn't. Right? I, as a man, sometimes I'm like, I just don't know what to do with that emotion. But God gave us emotions. And our Savior, when he was on this earth, demonstrated human emotions for us. When, when his friend Lazarus died and, and Lazarus' sisters were, were not sure what was going on and they were in the depths of despair, Jesus wept. He cried with them. Because of the emotions surrounding that and, and because of the emotions in, in Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, I, 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 we read this very beautiful verse in John chapter 12, talking uh, about Jesus, where, where he is actually literally crying out to God. In John 12, verse 27, it says this, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Jesus in that garden, when he was sweating drops of blood, because he knew what he was going to face, he says, now my soul is troubled. Our Savior, the one who knew God's plan from before the foundations of the world, who knew it was his role to be obedient to the Father, to come and to die on the cross so that you and I could have salvation, so that we could be free from sin and death because he would overcome the grave and rise victoriously. Jesus says, my soul is troubled. But notice where he goes after that. What shall I say then? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this purpose that I have come to this hour. When Jesus was feeling those emotions, when he was overwhelmed, he went back to the fact that he knew God's plan. He went back to the fact that God the Father and, and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, before the foundations of the earth, had set this plan in motion and this would bring glory to God. Because Jesus was God in the flesh, he knew the plan. But yet he was overwhelmed in his soul. His soul was troubled. But because he knew that plan and he is omniscient, it's natural for him to simply rest in that perfect plan of God the Father. But our hope in God doesn't just happen naturally. You and I must train our brain, you and I must train our soul to put our hope in him. You and I must constantly be reminding ourselves what it looks like to truly, day by day, when we're facing trials, put all of our hope in Jesus Christ. And to do that, we must learn that genuine hope in God requires that we remember the Lord. Over and over in this psalm, especially if you read Psalm 42 and 43 together, we see the solution given by the psalmist. When in the depths of despair, he is to remember 
the Lord. In verse 4 we read, These things I remember, and again in the middle of verse 6, Therefore I remember you. One simple way to remember God is to dwell on the but gods of Scripture. I don't know if you've ever done a study on the but gods of Scripture. It's a little microcosm of, of, of the saying of remembering God. But because in times of trouble, in times of distress, in times of despair, we can look to the times where, where God has interceded and intervened, all of those but God verses. And, and we can be reminded of His goodness, and we, we can be reminded of His mercy. We can be reminded that He cares for our soul. And that is a beautiful thing for us to know. A few of those just to think about. Genesis 8.1 says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. In, in a time of wickedness in the world. Perhaps worse than we have today. I know it seems hard to believe. But in a time of great wickedness. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals. That's a beautiful verse. In 1 Samuel 23 14, day by day, Saul searched for him, searching for David to kill him. But God did not give David into his hands. The most powerful man in the land was seeking to kill David, but God protected him. Saul wanted David killed, but God. But God. Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. The early church reminded themselves of, of all the oppression and persecution that they were facing. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And we saw it, and nothing can stop us. Because we know it's true. We know what genuine hope in God looks like. Or perhaps one of the most beautiful passages in all scripture, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Remembering God means, means going to his word and seeing how he has acted in the past. And trusting that he will continue to be consistent with his character and nature. Because that's who God is. But I think it's important we need to know. To remember something, we must know something. It's really hard to remember something that you don't actually know. And that means you and I have to constantly be going to this word. We need to be constantly going to this word. Not saying, God, show me in here what this, what this means to me and, and show me how I can be blessed and show me all of these things. We need to go to this word and say, God, show me who you are. Show me your character and show me your nature. And we must be convinced in the depths of our soul that God's character, God's nature, the way he says he's going to interact with the world around us, that is foundational to everything and every, everything that we are every day of our lives. Knowing the character and nature of God is foundational to everything that we are every day of our lives. Look back in Psalm 42 and verse 9. In the throes again of anguishing concerns when we read, I say to God, my rock. As he's talking about, about, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemies? These wounds in my body, they're just killing me, God. But, but, but he, doesn't, he doesn't just cry out because he's in anguish. He's crying out and he says, I say to my God, my rock. 
God, you are my foundation. You are the solid bearing point in my life. When everything around me seems to be crumbling, you are the one that I can turn to. Although he's facing some kind of terrible difficulty, this man knows God. Man, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we must know God like that. So that no matter what we're facing, we, we can run to who he is, run to his character, and run to his nature. And we must know it so deep in our soul that we can remember it when we're facing difficult times. The psalmist demonstrates to us that, that when he's facing these kinds of terrible things in his life, it doesn't drive him away from God. It drives him to God. It drives him to the depth of the relationship that he has with God, his heavenly Father. In verse 8, we read, Day by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. He knows No matter where he goes, day or night, God is there for him. We need to be convinced of that. We need to be convinced that God in his steadfast love is with us. We are not alone. He is walking through these valleys with us. You see, this man doesn't just know about God. This man knows God. He knows his character, and he knows his soul-sustaining nature when he's facing these times of trouble. And it brings us to our next point. To remember something means we have to rehearse it and remind ourselves of these truths. It's not just enough to know it. We have to rehearse it and remind ourselves to these truths. I, I imagine that some of these verses... Are, are, are the psalmist not just saying things that he knows to be true, but saying them out loud and saying, God, I know this is true. I don't feel like this right now, but I know that you can be trusted because this is who you are. Why do we bring our children to church? Why do we teach them songs when they're little about the Bible? Because we want them to know God. We want them to know the truth about him. Because later in their life, they're going to face things in their life that are going to say to them, where is your God? And we want them to have the foundation of knowing God's character and nature. And we don't want them to ever forget who he is. But sometimes as, a, as adults, we forget that we need to be reminded of that truth as well. We need to continue to meditate on God's word. I appreciated what, what Jeff prayed. He didn't know exactly what I was preaching on. And, and, and I appreciated the fact that he talked about we need to meditate on God's word. We need to know it so that it can inform our lives. Because when we're facing difficulties, it's easy to run to the God that we think the world around us knows. But we need to run to the God of the scriptures. And the psalmist knew that, and he longs to, to be together with God's people, worshiping together. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in this procession in the house of God. He wants to worship in the midst of all this terrible things going on around him. With glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. In his heart, when he's in anguish, This man wants to worship and have a festival before the one true God. That is a deep and abiding abiding faith that affects everything in this psalmist's life. 
And so, so for you and I, we need to continue to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to continually remind us of what Christ has done for us. We need to continually remind ourselves, but God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I deserve wrath. I deserve judgment. I deserve hell. I deserve eternal separation from God. But God in his infinite love sent Christ for me. And that should cause me to come on bended knee to worship and praise him. And when we have that kind of genuine biblical hope, and when we are remembering correctly, it's going to remind us, it's going to remember, to remember actually stirs up our longings and affections. If we are remembering well, to remember actually stirs up our longings and affections. In verse 1, it starts out, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Singing songs should stir up our hearts' affections. And it should help us to long for, for him. And, and I so appreciate how Pastor Mike has, has come alongside in, in the ministry here at First Baptist Church. And, and he, he has helped us to, to sing songs which, which to think about what God has truly done for us. One of them that we sang this morning, How Long, O Lord, says this, All our hopes are fixed on you, that your promises are true. And one day you will return. All our treasures here will fade. So we long to see your face. Until then, our hearts will burn. How long, O oh Lord? We long for the ultimate promises of God to come true. And remembering what God has done in the past stirs up those longings and affections. Well, our last points that we're going to look at this morning are this. Christians are a peculiar people. Scripture tells us that, and I think it plays out in our daily lives. Biblical Christianity is different from every religion in the world. And yes, we're fond of saying that, that that's because we come to God not on, a, not on account of what we do for God to earn his praise, to earn his, uh, to earn his favor, but everything has been done for us on the cross of Christ. That is absolutely true, and that is why our hope is fixed on the work of Christ. It is true that that is the only way for us to come to God. There is no reason, then, for a Christian to live in despair. We should be like the psalmist, because God has proven his faithfulness over and over and over again, not only in his word, but in our lives. The psalmist hoped for it. He hoped for the glorious coming of the Messiah. And we live on the other side of the cross where we know what Christ has done for us. We know that he rose victoriously from the grave. We know more than the psalmist did. And our faith should be more secure and more affirmed by what God has done. We have a great assurance of the glory that is to come because God has said it will happen. And he proved it by rising from the grave, when Christ rose victoriously over sin and death. And so now we hope in God with a greater assurance of that glory, even though this world is continually filled with turmoil and strife, we have a great assurance of the hope that is to come. And that's why we, we sing songs like, My hope is in the Lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at Calvary. And songs like the solid rock, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. 
And when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. We need to continue to sing these kinds of songs which remind us of the genuine biblical hope that we have because Jesus is our solid rock, the unchanging one whose promises are true. And in closing, I want to remind us of this. Our hope doesn't change based on our current circumstances. As Christians, we are peculiar people. And our hope doesn't change based on our current life circumstances. Not only is biblical Christianity different in the way that we approach God, not trying to earn God's merit and favor, but it is, it is also different because so many people in the world try to come to a supreme being, a God, for what God can give them and do for them. They come to God to escape their current situations. But the Bible doesn't promise an end to the brokenness when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior. The Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't promise us that, that He will put to rest all the turmoil and all the difficulties that we face. In fact, He promises that there will be trials. He promises that there will be persecution. But we have a great hope that we will someday not have to face any of those things anymore. Because He's making all things new. And someday we will not have to experience death. We will not have to experience sin. And we can forever stand in the hope of eternal life in our perfect bodies because of what Christ has done for us. This Memorial Day weekend, I can think of no greater loss than when we lose a loved one. And I know some of us here this morning have likely lost loved ones in recent memory in the last year. Maybe it's several years, and yet the pain is still very real to you. A verse that Pastor Tim frequently uses is 1 Thessalonians 4.13, where it reminds us that we don't grieve as the world grieves, as those without hope. When we know Christ, everything is different, even loss. And so the, the daily trials that we face, we need to submit to the foot of the cross. And allow Jesus to inform how we should work through those things. We should long for God as the, as the deer pants for streams of water. We should thirst for Him. We should remember what He has done for us. We should cry out to Him. I say to my God, my rock, you are my salvation and my God. Therefore, I remember you. It's okay to grieve and mourn the loss of our loved ones. But we grieve differently because of the hope that we've seen in Psalm 42 today. And lastly, I want us to look at Titus 1, verses 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Our hope that we have began in eternity past when God put in to work his plan for our salvation to offer us the hope of eternal life. God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Our psalm ends with, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. 
I am so thankful this morning for the finished work of Christ. No matter what I face, I know that Christ is with me. If you know Christ as your Savior, no matter what you face, Christ is with me, with you. And you have a hope that cannot be taken away. And I don't know what you're facing right now, the troubles that you're going to face now or in the future, but I can assure you that a genuine hope in the Lord that remembers all he has done and longs for the day when he will ultimately come back and fulfill all of his promises, that genuine hope will never fail you. It's only because of Christ that we can sing what Bethany and I sang earlier. Lord, whatever comes, be my bedrock, keep me steady, loyal to your throne, whatever stands against me, whatever comes. In the sovereignty of God, Bethany had no idea what I was preaching on, and we were going to sing a different song, and she said, I think we should sing that. And I said, God, it's just a simple reminder, whatever comes, you're there. I want all of us to know that kind of a hope this morning, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior... You can, and we'd love to talk with you about that. I'm going to close this in prayer, and then Mike is going to come and sing a closing song which reminds us of our great hope that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you for the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us so that we would not have to pay the penalty for our sin because he took it. Father, we turn to you and we remember you when we're going through difficulty, when we're going through hurts, when we're going through pains. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember you well, to have genuine hope in who you are, to train our brain and train our souls to worship you even in times of great difficulty because you alone are worthy and you alone are the one who can sustain us through all of the hurts, the pains, the turmoil that this world will cause. Lord, we love you, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.